Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us, and we appreciate you letting us be part of your day. Wow. Hope, you, uh, hope you're doing well with this winter weather. Be careful. A lot of folks around the country digging out, bundling up to deal with this blast of winter, and we'll talk about weather today with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, both the weather here and what's going on in South America. We're going to take a look at the ag economy. Here we are still early in 2021, got higher grain prices, but what does that mean for the ag economy longer term this year? Talk trade issues and things like that with John Newton, the chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. And as we get ready for another WASDE report, we'll talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. But we're always glad to start things off with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, good to talk with you. It's going to be another interesting week, isn't it? Yes, it is. Good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure to be with you. And we're going to be watching very closely what happens this week as the Senate begins impeachment of Donald J. Trump for the second time to consider that. Uh, on entirely different circumstances than the first one, but they will be working on impeachment as well as trying to get cabinet nominees confirmed and also working on a $1.9 trillion budget deal that uh, the House and Senate cleared the way for action by approving that budget resolution on Friday. So very busy week ahead. That's a lot to do. Some major lifts there all at once for a Congress that has struggled in the past to do more than one big thing at a time. So it'll be interesting to see how much gets done or does the impeachment trial uh, slow everything else down? Well, it seems to me that the impeachment trial will suck a lot of the oxygen out of the room. But just because it's so contentious, you have a lot of disagreement with Republicans even suggesting it's not even constitutional to try a person who is out of the White House and others suggesting it is. And with all the political rhetoric that will be flying around, I think it's going to be difficult to move forward on some of the Biden's uh, cabinet picks. Uh, we haven't confirmed Secretary Vilsack yet or uh, Jennifer Granholm, who should be up for Senate, full Senate consideration. And we also have uh, EPA's Michael Reagan, uh, who's up for a committee vote on Tuesday uh, before he can even be considered by the full Senate. So there's a lot to be done if they really do want to get moving on some of these other very big agenda items for the Biden administration. The hearings that were held last week for Vilsack and Reagan uh, went pretty much as expected. No real bombshells, nothing too controversial. Uh, kind of what you would expect, pretty smooth sailing. And uh, did they give us, from your standpoint, did they give us a real look into where both will take their agencies moving forward? Well, I think that a lot of that came out of the Reagan uh, nomination hearing was really you know, willingness to talk. He's obviously going to have a lot of pressures from the left to have tighter regulations on a lot of things. And uh, he's also got support from farm groups to be in consideration of a lot of the practical on-the-ground 
considerations that have to happen for agriculture. So his willingness is very well received. With Vilsack, he laid out that he wants to talk about COVID and climate and uh, make sure that we are moving ahead on those areas. And I think that climate uh, across the administration is going to be the topic of the year. And, you know, especially for Vilsack, that's nothing new. I remember, I'm sure you do too, having many conversations with Don Vilsack when he was secretary before. He, he was already addressing a lot of those climate issues. Now agriculture could adapt and adjust and be a part of uh, uh, efforts to address climate issues. Absolutely. And the key uh, terms that we're going to be watching for are voluntary incentive-based and if they can keep the carrot out in front of farmers, I think that, uh, you know, they are always looking for new revenue opportunities, and they'll be listening very closely to that. Now, if others uh, will be considering more of the stick sort of remedies, like, uh, you know, a carbon tax or things that could add to cost, then that's going to be something we really have to be very alert to in agriculture and try to figure out. Uh, how we can stick to the voluntary incentive-based instead. And I think Vilsack is, is very keen in, in looking at that, those types of programs, whether it's conservation stewardship program or using the CCC in new ways to incentivize farmers. He also, on the, on the livestock front, he did uh, leave open the possibility of country of origin labeling if it could you know, fit under WTO rules and also indicated uh, wanted a closer look at uh, uh, at livestock marketing. And uh, so that, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes on those. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of folks out in farm country that want to think about livestock marketing and especially in light of the pandemic and all the supply disruptions that we had as well as you know, looking at uh, whether we can build up uh, more capacity. So a lot of issues there. And I, I don't want to also miss the third very key thing that he mentioned, and that is racial diversity and inclusion, which, again, mm-hmm. will be another top priority for this new administration, and especially for Vilsack at USDA. An area where he was heavily criticized in some areas uh, in his past uh, tenure at the USDA, so we'll see how he addresses it this time. Uh, also, some action in the Senate, th- th- because there's so much speculation that this administration will want to change WOTUS, waters the U.S. back again, uh, and change the Trump rule. Uh, the Senate did narrowly back the Trump waters of the U.S. rule, but that doesn't mean that's that's that issue's over, does it? No, we are not done with WOTUS. Uh, I think we're going to keep talking about it for the next couple of years and maybe even longer. Uh, you know, there's a real desire to pull back on what the Trump administration did. And so um, as long as that is out there uh, and whether or not the Biden administration will do a total rewrite, I think is, is certainly a possibility. We've heard people say they're optimistic uh, something will get done on infrastructure, something will get done on immigration. I hope they're right, but I I definitely am in the I'll believe it when I see it camp because we've heard this before. We certainly have. But, you know, I think infrastructure has a great opportunity to also bring back jobs. And you can see people like the, the union organizations that are saying we want to get on board with this. And it's not just roads and bridges. Of course, it's broadband. It's all sorts of connectivity issues. And so I'm more bullish on getting an infrastructure package than I am thinking that we can tackle immigration going out of the out of the chute here. 
But, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of folks that are leaning in, and uh, certainly it'll be something that will be considered as the Biden administration moves forward. All right, Sarah, thank you. Another big week ahead. You and your team do a great job of covering these stories. We'll be watching. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Always a pleasure. Sarah Wyan, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, up next, much of the country dealing with a real blast of winter weather. How long is it going to last? And what are the conditions down in South America as their soybean harvest is underway? And what about conditions for planting that safrina corn crop? We'll get updates from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. That's next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So let's start with the latest news concerning a case against ethanol duties in Peru. What can you tell us? The decision there is that they are reversing an earlier decision to impose import duties on U.S. ethanol going into Peru. Peru, as you might know, has been a rapidly emerging market for us over the past several years, and we began to export a fair amount of fuel ethanol to that country and then they slapped this import tax on us and it really put the brakes on our exports to that marketplace. So the body that reviewed that tariff and you know, looked at our challenge of that tariff uh, sided with us and they will be reversing that import tax and, and that should really reopen that market to our product. We desperately need demand right now so uh, very excited to hopefully get back into, the, into Peru in, in a big way. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. 
A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, after a relatively mild December and January, um, winter finally hit and hit hard here in February. Pretty widespread. It really is, Mike, and and it's interesting uh, how the uh, how the bubbling out of this cold wave has uh, has shown such a uh, larger area of coverage uh, than about a week ago. Because a week ago, the forecast models were showing the colder air out of the Canadian prairies to kind of take a track southeast or toward the Ohio Valley. And uh, now we're getting uh, a lot of this uh, harsh cold pretty much all the way from the eastern slope of the Rockies, clear eastward, uh, all the way to the eastern Great Lakes and then south into the southern plains, almost to the Red River. Uh, between Texas and Oklahoma, so it's um, Red River of the South, I should say, and and uh, so that is a, a, a big difference. A lot of uh, temperatures are going to set probably new records on the uh, cold side this week, and uh, this uh, sustained cold is going to be with us now for a couple weeks. We're really not going to get out of it probably until um, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after uh, the weekend of uh, February the uh, 20th, 21st, 22nd, in in that time frame. So almost a two-week stretch of this uh, real harsh uh, cold is going to be with us. Quite a bit of snow, although here in Illinois, where I'm at, uh, it's kind of light and fluffy, not, not a lot of moisture content. Uh, is that the case uh, pretty much uh, across the country, or how much moisture are we going to get out of all this? Yeah, uh, you know, you know, the snow in, in, in ski uh, parlance uh, would be called champagne powder uh, because, uh, you know, it just kind of kind of puffs out there with no problem. And it's kind of kind of uh, Colorado type snow. Now, on the other side uh, of that whole snow sequence, if I can digress just a minute, in the Sierra Nevada mountains and in the Cascades, the snow is a lot wetter. And so that's called either Cascade concrete or Sierra cement. So uh, there's, you know, that uh, parlance there, you know, a little bit of trivia um, for the uh, recreation side. But, yeah, this snow is not a uh, real wet snow at all. Uh, probably a moisture uh, to a snowfall content of about uh, 14 inches of snow needed to generate uh, to amount to one inch of liquid precipitation. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot of uh, moisture with it. We really don't have very much of a, uh, an inflow out of the Gulf of Mexico into uh, the interior U.S. right now. And, and uh, that obviously means that any moisture we get is just kind of wringing out what we have in the atmosphere. So that's another indication of uh, not a whole lot of moisture out of the snowfall that we do uh, get from time to time. Talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Well, Bryce, let's look to South America. We're keeping a close watch there on uh, the soybean harvest and, and corn planting conditions. Uh, what, what's the latest? Well, starting in Brazil, it's uh, fairly decent, actually. Uh, during the past weekend, Mato Grosso had anywhere from 
one to two and a half inches of rain, and uh, you know that keeps the soil moisture pretty well, uh, you know, taken care of uh, for putting in the safrina corn crop after soybean harvest. And at the same time, uh, there's not a real uh, lot of uh, extensive harvest disruption. I think probably the uh, the, uh, the harvest is uh, a a practice or a a task that is focused in the morning and then the showers come up in the afternoon so that you know kind of slows things down but obviously with their equipment capacity they can get a lot done in uh, about a six hour time frame we know that and uh, you get uh, farther south in southern brazil and then through argentina it has been drier and uh, particularly in argentina the next week it is going to stay pretty dry they're going to get less than a quarter of an inch of uh, additional precipitation they had a pretty good stretch in the last uh, couple weeks with some uh, favorable rainfall that uh, kind of has held the line on uh, the production outlook uh, for both corn and soybeans in argentina this coming week though it is going to be drier fortunately the temperatures are not going to be real stressful uh, the forecast is near to below normal. So it's not like they're just going to have these uh, real harsh heat waves just drawing all the moisture out of the ground. But still, if this uh, does not uh, start kind of cranking up a little bit more by the end of February, there could still be a little bit more kind of taken off, uh, whittled away on that uh, corn and soybean prospect because there, there still is quite a ways to go before everything is all is all taken care of with the uh, full uh, reproduction and uh, and grain filling in the Argentina crops. So still a ways to go there. Uh, what about yeah. other some other key spots uh, when we think wheat? We think about Russia. What's going on there? Right now, the uh, the snow cover is fairly decent in Russia, uh, except for right uh, kind of between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. Uh, there's a little bit more variability in kind of that. Uh, southern uh, portion of, of Russia's wheat country, and that is a pretty big uh, producing uh, region around uh, uh, Krasnodar and then uh, toward the uh, Volga Valley. Uh, if, uh, if it doesn't stay real cold, I think their wheat is going to be okay, but there could be a little bit of stress there. But over the remainder of the Black Sea region, uh, the rest of Russia and then Ukraine, snow cover is really uh, pretty extensive. And uh, just to note that over much of, uh, of uh, Europe, uh, conditions have, uh, have turned a lot more wintry. They are getting snowfall, and it might be uh, kind of a slow start to their fieldwork season uh, in Europe. Back here in the States, Mike, I do want to mention that this cold pattern that we have, it's probably going to stay with us uh, with below normal temperatures all the way into the end of February, early March. And the, the message to me is that an early spring especially north of Interstate 80, is probably not in the cards for this year. And so that is something to keep in mind uh, from my standpoint. And I was going to ask you, how does this all fit into La Nina? Is that pattern still in effect? Yes, La Nina is with us. And in fact, uh, you know, this cold wave that we are getting and, and so forth, it, it really was in the forecast uh, for this particular trend to uh, take shape here in February. Um, and uh, likely to stay with us now into early March. Uh, La Nina itself may decline to about a neutral value on the actual measurements by, say, about uh, early April or so, 
But, you know, we have seen in the past that La Nina influence in the atmosphere can, can hang around for a longer period of time after the actual numbers say that, that the event is over. The atmosphere has a kind of a long memory in terms of that type of thing. And there was also a chance that La Nina could reform at the end of this coming summer. So there still is a lot of reason to be a little bit cautious on how the moisture uh, situation is going to be, particularly in the western Corn Belt this upcoming season. So again, looking ahead to spring, you mentioned you think it will not be uh, early spring as far as being able to get out into the fields north of I-80. Uh, and a lot of the areas of the country that are that are dry, those concerns probably are going to stay with us till spring, don't you think? Yes, they are. Uh, I had a conversation with a with a grower from uh, northwestern Iowa during the past weekend, and and he has uh, he hasn't seen it this dry in his particular area for oh my gosh, uh, going back uh, you know twenty some years, and um, you know all the way back to around two thousand or so. So there's uh, there's still is a lot of uh, soil profile that has to be. Uh, kind of filled up a little bit before we can be confident about how the soil moisture situation is in quite a few areas of the western Corn Belt. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, this snowfall that we're getting now isn't going to help that much. Plus, now if with these cold temperatures going to last a while, that ground gets even harder. You do get a rain. It, you know, a lot of it runs off. Yes, it does. Uh, there's there's the other side of uh, the the uh, the scenario that we've got because. It is going to be cold enough now that on areas that don't have a whole lot of snow cover, that ground is going to seal up. And uh, it's going to take quite a bit to to uh, get things uh, into uh, any sort of a situation where, the, where moisture can infiltrate the soil profile. So this is a concern on a couple of different angles when we think about uh, the rest of this winter and then on into the upcoming spring. All right, Bryce, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Great time, Mike. Thank you very much. Take, take care. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Up next, we take a look at the ag economy. We'll talk with the American Farm Bureau Federation Chief Economist John Newton. Uh, what does he see ahead for 2021? I mean, we start off with the higher commodity prices, but uh, what are some other areas to be focused on and could give us an idea what to expect here in 2021? We'll talk about that with John Newton up next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Adams on Agriculture. Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, 
dizzy or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. While concern over winter kill threats in both the U.S. and Russian wheat crops, along with a dry forecast for Argentina into the last week of February, has buyers returning to all grain and soy markets on Monday. Also supporting the markets is the expectation for bullish export and ending stocks numbers on Tuesday's USDA WASDE report. Now, Brazil harvest delays continue to keep China dependent on U.S. soybeans. The Brazil harvest was pegged at 4.3% on Friday, up three points on the week, but well below the 15.6% at this point last year. Now, furthermore, the domestic pipeline is so empty that it's trying to pull some of these early soybeans as well. As such, the flow of supplies to the port for the 45-day trip to China remains quite slow. One of the biggest challenges for USDA in tomorrow's WASDE report will be to balance this sustained dependency on U.S. supplies with domestic crush needs for the remainder of the marketing year. Meantime, in livestock, we're starting with mixed to higher action in cattle and hog futures. We expect cash cattle trade this week to be even higher than last week, while we expect cash hog trade to be higher as well as the hog futures market continues with impressive strength, although the February front month contract set to expire soon uh, has been unable to follow the strength of later contracts and needs to remain close to cash here this week. Currently at the Chicago Board of Trade, March court up eight at five fifty-six and a half. July court up six at five forty-two and a quarter. March soybeans up twelve at thirteen seventy-eight and three quarters. July beans up eleven at three quarters at thirteen fifty-nine and a half. March bean meal up three ten a ton at four thirty-three sixty. March bean oil up seventy-two points at forty-five thirty-eight. March Chicago wheat up ten at three quarters at six fifty-two. March Kansas City wheat up ten and a half at six thirty-five and three quarters. March Minneapolis spring wheat up six and a quarter at six thirty-two and a quarter. February live cattle up 7 to 116.80. March feeders down 37 to 137.90. February hogs up 27 at 71.25. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We're joined now by John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thank you for joining us. We ask you to get out the crystal ball and uh, peer into it and and tell us what you see for the ag economy here in 2021. We start off with uh, higher commodity prices. Is that a sign of things to come? What What are you expecting this year? Well, we we did see last week USDA released their 
uh, first outlook for the farm economy for 2021 and USDA uh, projects farm cash receipts from crop and livestock sales to, to be up about uh, 6% or $20 billion from last year. So I think the expectation is that, that these higher prices will, will certainly be with us uh, into the foreseeable future. Uh, Chinese demand is, is very, very robust. Uh, export demand is, is very strong. Uh, and I think leading into the spring, you know, all eyes are going to be on how many acres we, we plant and what our growing conditions are going to be this year. Let's talk a little bit about acres because uh, I've had a number of conversations with market analysts and we're looking at, you know, the focus on corn and soybean acres and which one goes up some, you know. Uh, but where do those acres come from? If if other commodities have strong prices, maybe farmers don't want to switch out of cotton acres or sorghum acres. That's right. And I think, you know, this spring we'll see uh, kind of the competition for acres uh, will we'll show up in the price signals that we see. Uh, but we did also have 10 million acres, Mike, that, that qualified for pre-dent plant uh, last last year in 2020. So uh, we could see some acres come from, from that total. So we'll see how that plays out. We're talking with John Newton, chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. It would seem, even though we don't know this, but uh, it would seem after a year where the farm income relied heavily on government payments, that hopefully is shifting back to the markets this year. Well, we are going to see some additional ad hoc support this year because of the package that was passed uh, at the end of December uh, with uh, approximately $11 billion additional dollars to the Department of Agriculture. Uh, that's going to make a $20 per acre payment on crops for 2020 acres. Uh, we'll see additional cattle inventory payments, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, government payments in 21 are projected at, at $25 billion. Uh, that's down sharply uh, from what we saw last year, um, and only about 29% of net farm income. Yeah, it's still that money to come this year. You're right. that we have, We'll watch see how that goes. Uh, your, your phone's cutting out a little bit on us here, John, so we hope that we can get a good, stronger connection as we go along here. Um, as... We get ready for a new WASDE report. Uh, what are you expecting in, in these latest numbers? Well, I think most people are expecting to see, you know, a, a boost in export numbers in this WASDE and, and then a reduction in, in old crop uh, ending supplies. I think we could potentially see uh, soybean stocks in the 120 million bushel range and, and maybe an additional haircut on uh, corn stocks. I think we also need to pay attention and see what they do on the ethanol side. Uh, we continue to see challenges uh, in that space. Yeah, so we watched that. Now, there's we've seen China buy some ethanol. Uh, we keep watching China. They've been on this amazing buying spree, and they remain the key, don't they, moving forward when we talk about sales and exports? Well, they, they have been on a buying spree. They, they bought, uh, you know, I think USDA total showed uh, close to $29 billion worth of agriculture and related products. Uh, in 2020, uh, they did buy 200 million gallons of ethanol. You're right. Uh, so that that is going to be key into 2021 is, is maintaining uh, that Chinese demand, but also seeing exports turn around uh, in Mexico and Canada and Japan and South Korea, for example. Uh, exports were actually lower in 2020 than, than prior year levels. What are you seeing with the farm economy? Let's let's kind of look behind the the headlines here. The headlines on higher commodity prices and and big sales to China. 
what what's going on behind the scenes as far as where are we with uh, loan delinquencies, foreclosures, things like that? Well, we did see um, you know uh, loan delinquencies on on commercial loans um, in the ag sector. Those do continue to increase. We saw USDA uh, a few weeks ago uh, relax uh, some of their loan repayment rules to help some of the uh, folks that that might be. Uh, in in pretty big trouble financially, um, we continue to see you know land prices keep going up, cash rents keep going up, costs are going to go up this year uh, with higher you know feed bills if you're if you're feeding cattle or dairy, higher fertilizer prices. So uh, you know costs continue to go up. Mike. Yeah, we've started seeing that already. They they start to creep up. We'll keep a close watch on that. What are you expecting? Uh, how policies, we know there's going to be a big push on climate policies. How do you see that impacting agriculture that, moving forward? Well, I think, you know, it's important that, that we're at the table for these conversations. Uh, I think when you look at, at ag policy, uh, most most of the emphasis on climate is uh, voluntary and incentive-based tools to adopt more uh, climate smart practices uh, across the countryside. So, I think if we can find a way, again, to make it voluntary and incentive-based, uh, we can certainly increase our adoption of climate-smart practices and achieve uh, some of the climate goals of the administration. Yep, that's going to be that key, as always, the voluntary versus mandated. We'll see how that plays out. Well, always got to ask you about the dairy uh, uh, outlook. What do you see there? I, I can never get away without a dairy question. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think that, um, you know, we're, we're seeing demand come back. Um, it's not coming back at the pace that we're seeing supplies. Uh, we've seen some weakness in the milk prices the last uh, few months. I think we, we saw an uptick, a pretty rapid uptick, uh, on the back of the food box announcements. I think folks were looking for uh, that to prop up uh, cheese demand and cheese prices. But uh, I think we, we spent a lot less money on those food box programs than, than earlier anticipated, and, and that's why we've seen uh, the weakness here in, in the milk price and moving into the to the spring flush, I think it's going to be uh, particularly challenging because again we've we've got more supplies than than demand right now. So there's still going to be challenges. I mean, uh, things are looking better from a market standpoint in many uh, areas, but we're coming off a tough stretch for the ag economy, and it just doesn't turn o- turn around overnight, does it? No, it it doesn't turn around overnight. I think people probably dug themselves in a a pretty deep hole. You think, you know, about milk prices, for example. Milk prices have been, uh, you know, in the tank uh, for, for several years. They, they rebounded in 2019. Uh, some folks had really good milk prices in 2020, while others didn't because of negative producer price differentials and depooling. Uh, so it, it doesn't turn around overnight. I think we need to see several years of, of higher prices, and I think that's why people are hopeful that uh, the higher commodity prices we're seeing now will continue uh, into 2021. All right, so I know this is an area you've done a lot of work on. We know a lot of people are unhappy with uh, how USDA handles some of its forecasting and, and modeling. Do uh, you think we'll see a change there? Well, we've, we've already seen USDA, you know, make some changes. I think uh, the most notable one is, you know, after the 2019 acreage um, and, and large amount of prevent plant and historically late planting, uh, USDA this year in their acres report um, highlighted acres that have been planted and acres that remain to be planted. So I, I think they're they're listening and they're making changes, and, and we're going to continue to work with the 
department uh, on on other issues that we think that they could do to improve uh, the the uh, survey collection, improve improve response rates, and ultimately improve that farmer confidence in USDA data. And finally, uh, John is. We make projections for 2021. It, it still comes much of it centered around what happens with the uh, the COVID situation. How, how soon does the economy get back up and and rolling? All that's still hard to predict. It feels like we're headed in the right direction, but we got a ways to go. We we, we certainly do have a ways to go. I think um, you know restaurant uh, sales are still 22 percent below. Uh, prior year level, so we, we've we've not gotten uh, to the other side of the curve with respect to coronavirus. Uh, it's still impacting the economy, uh, so I think I think that's going to be a key component, especially for for rebuilding domestic demand for food and ag products is uh, getting past this virus. Are you expecting a big year though on exports? Again, a lot of that depends on COVID too. It's a worldwide pandemic, but you you see a big year for exports. Uh, you know, I think exports. You know, again, we need to, like you said, we need to see. You know, the economies around the world start to recover. That's going to help their purchasing capacity. Uh, a weak dollar certainly helps our our competitiveness uh, in the global market. Uh, you know, there there are talks of export bans and export taxes in other countries around the world. So. Uh, we happen to be one of the places that's still open for business. So I hope that, that export growth continues. Uh, it was a fantastic year. We need to see China continue to be a buyer of U.S. agricultural products. Uh, and then after we get these domestic issues uh, you know, dealt with, after we deal with coronavirus, uh, we need to work to expand trade uh, and find new trading partners, whether that's looking at uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, or, or other multilateral, bilateral arrangements to increase um, you know, our market access around the world. Yep, still a lot of questions uh, to get answers to as we head into 2021. John, good to talk with you as always. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, we do get ready for another WASDE report. We'll get a preview of that with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. We'll talk with him next about uh, the upcoming WASDE report. Also, his thoughts on where we're at uh, here as we approach midpoint of February as far as markets are concerned and making plans, marketing plans for the year and years ahead. We'll get his thoughts coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call 
at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover key tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, the latest numbers for January are now out, and joining us with those numbers is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, thanks for joining us. I am surprised that the January numbers are down, considering the fact that market prices have been up. If you look at the Ag Economy barometer in January, it, it stood at 167. That compares to a value of 183 in October, and I'll talk about why I think it's lower today compared to October, even though prices have continued to increase. Uh, the current index is, is identical to what it was last January before COVID hit. So that, that's kind of interesting, I think. But the main reason why the January uh, index is, is lower than October is related, to, is related to the index of future expectations. The index of current conditions remains at relatively high levels because of the strong prices, particularly corn and soybean, but also wheat and other commodities. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost 
twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm Radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, let's go to the frozen tundra of East Central Illinois to talk markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Yay. Nice nice and warm there in East Central Illinois in the igloo. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's definitely a chilly morning, you know. It's uh going to get a lot colder too as the week goes. It looks like we'll have some highs uh where we may not even ha- quite hit zero, but regardless, I I sure like the freezing and thawing that we've seen this winter. It's it's certainly good for the ground. Well, let's look ahead to the WASDE report coming up. Uh what are you expecting? Well, obviously the trade's expecting a positive report, you know, and I, I, we kind of expected maybe to see a little buying going into the report last week. It was a dead market, really not that much excitement. Friday, of course, we sold off right there at the close, and, you know, I think everyone's kind of sitting around wondering what was going to happen to start the week, but I felt pretty strongly we'd see some sort of buying going into this just because a lot of folks are expecting a friendly report. You know, I've got to think that the the trades, the average trade guess at 1.39 on corn seems to be a little high to me. I guess uh, our trade guess was 135, but, you know, in all reality, I think if you ask traders, a lot of them are, are thinking that we're we're looking at a carry out a lot closer to one than 1.5 right now. So I think you could see a fairly low number tomorrow, and I think that the, the trade wouldn't be altogether uh, shocked. As you talk with farmers, what's the sense that you get from them? Are they Are they just waiting right now or are they going ahead and maybe making some sales or what what are they primarily doing yeah i think that uh it's a combination of things but i think it's no secret that the producer has more money in their pocket right now than they have in some time they also know that uh given the way that this carryout has dropped just extraordinarily uh extraordinarily uh from you know, for instance, August. I mean, you were at a two seven carryout in the month of August for this marketing year, and right now you're looking at you know maybe half that. You know, just in a six month time frame, it's nothing short of amazing. And I think the producer understands that you know some of these buyers are a little bit nervous, uh, and so they want to be tight fisted with their corn. I certainly understand that. At the same time, you gotta you gotta think that uh, getting a two dollar and fifty cent plus rally is is a is a nice thing to enjoy all the while seeing basis uh, steady to improved. And so, you know, at that point, I think a producer needs to at least be incrementally selling into this thing. But, yeah, I think the producer's tight-fisted. I think the producer's in a wait-and-see mode, and I think they need to be careful uh, with that, uh, pushing that too far, you know, because if this market would end up turning, I think we'll be kicking ourselves. Well, what we wait to see is how high do prices go before they really kind of shut off uh, selling or buying by customers they say that's too high we haven't really seen much of that yet is that because the the stocks numbers where they're at a a slow harvest in south america Uh, what do you attribute it to 
Yeah, I think that a lot of it, you know, when it comes to soybeans, I mean, basically Brazil's going to be maybe uh, pushing a month uh, later than what they were last year. Last year was a little early. This year is going to be late for sure, uh, which certainly spills over into the corn discussion whenever you talk about getting that safrina crop planted. But, you know, I think that that uh, also uh, lends credence to the fact that some of these buyers are wanting to be cautious as to assume Brazil's going to have a monster corn crop, even though they're going to be planting a lot of acres. So, yeah, I think late harvest uh, in Brazil, I think that looking at carryout levels for the U.S. for both corn and beans, uh, some of these folks are sitting here wondering, uh, what in the world are we going to do, you know, if we don't get a big South American crop and huge acres out of the U.S.? Because right now you're probably looking at, uh, you know, I know some people a lot smarter than me, Mike, that are talking a 1 to 1.1 carry on corn and a sub 100 on soybeans. And I know that sounds extremely bullish, but with that being said, you know you're probably going to have to import some soybeans or soybean meal into the southeast this year. I think it's a foregone conclusion. And so some of your buyers are trying to make sure they don't get caught in a position uh, where they need supplies that they just can't get a hold of without paying exorbitant basis levels. So it's a very interesting situation we're, we're witnessing right now. Is 2021 the rare year where we could produce a big crop and not see it drive prices down a whole lot? Yeah, and let me tell you this, Mike. Last year, uh, the 2020 crop, we actually produced over half a billion bushels more of both corn and beans. And then during harvest, you saw a $5 bean rally, you know, and a $2, almost $2.50 corn rally up to this point, of course. Uh, and again, we produced a half a billion bushel bigger crop than what we get in 2019 for both corn and soybeans. So this year, you're also looking at a dynamic situation where, you know, the, the market is trying to buy some acres, in my opinion. You know, you've got wheat prices, uh, you know, up in the $6.5 level. You've got cotton prices in the $80 level. You know, there's no question Milo and sorghum for a lot of the producers, you know, in the Western Corn Belt looks extremely attractive. You know, and so the you know, corn and bean market sitting here trying to figure out how do we buy enough acres to secure our situation. And uh, it's, uh, uh, you're exactly right. You could have big acres and a big yield and not kill this market, uh, you know, unless obviously you get a 185 national yield. I think that's a possibility at some point, but probably not pushing the kind of acres we're going to be looking at here in 2021. Yeah, you bring up a good point on last year's crop. It was bigger. It didn't seem like it because we were at one point expecting an, an even bigger crop. You're exactly right. You know, we're expecting an even bigger crop, not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, the 2019 crop, I think it's quite obvious at this point that it was overstated, you know, because you got a, a stocks reduction on the quarterly stocks report both for September and December, which would suggest that the 2019 crop was even smaller yet. So, you know, yeah, we were expecting a big crop coming into the month of August. Obviously, the ratio event kind of started a lot of issues that we had. And then, of course, extremely dry throughout most of the Corn Belt in August and early September. And that just didn't give us the kind of finish that we needed for either corn or beans. And it really took a few bushels off of corn and a couple bushels off beans, you know, and then tightened the whole situation up even more. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. We'll watch the WASD numbers. In the meantime, stay warm. Take care. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Have a good week. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. That wraps it up for today. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll tune in again tomorrow right here on AOA.
Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.